0: Hello, welcome to this week's episode of the Empowered Artist Collective podcast. My name is Jennifer Apple, she, her, and this week I talk to Danny Barlow about what it means to be a theater manager. There are so many positions that exist on the Arts administration side of things that rarely get talked about. And Danny is somebody who gives a voice to this side of the industry that I think is incredibly important for us to be more aware of, knowledgeable about, and frankly invested in. As such, Danny breaks down the various types of positions. We talk about responsibilities and skill sets that are useful in these roles, the necessity of these individuals for the creative process. She shares helpful tips for how one creates change, fostering a network of your peers, and the importance of having a vision. Whether you are somebody who is interested in pursuing theater management, or you are somebody who is in the arts in any capacity, this episode is incredibly important to simply understand the scope of what it is that we all do. With that said, enjoy. Hi, everyone. Welcome. I am here with Danny Barlow. Hi. Hi. Danny <laughs> and I went to college together, which now it's I'm not it. gonna age myself, but it, I'm coming upon a reunion this year, which I'm like, I got those emails from them being like, do you want to come back? And I was like, I don't I've I've already have to process that it's been yeah. this long. Yeah, it's a lot to process. Yeah. Um and I guess did you Back at Muhlenberg, did you ever stage ma- You did, yeah. Blood Wedding. Yeah, I did my first year that I was when I was a freshman. Yeah, Blood Wedding with Jeff Catto, who I saw the other day. Um, and was there another project? I
1: Blood Wedding is the only one that I was a stage manager on. I was in La Dispute, yes. and I like directed throughout college. But that was I yeah. think that was the only one. I was oh I was like the AD. Were you in Pajama Game? No. Mm. I was the AD in pajama game. That's the only one that I was like, you know. Yeah. On the, on the backside.
0: And then you were on, Were you? Weren't you on the board of? Of like,
1: the... I was. Yes, I was. I was on the board of the theater association. I was like the treasurer and the secretary, and then the president
0: yeah. uh, one year. So yeah. Yeah. What a wild moment. Well, I'm so grateful that you're here on the podcast. Thank you for being yeah, here. Of course. Um, for those listening who don't know who you are, who are you today?
1: I'm Danny. I'm a theater manager. I love the theater a lot. And so I feel lucky that I get to do it as my job as well as like a hobby. Um, and, uh, yeah, my focus is all on the business side of theater. I grew up as like a musical theater performing kid. I was in a musical theater troupe growing up. Um, and then when I got to college, I shifted very quickly from acting to directing. And so I was a director in college Mm -hmm. and then very quickly, like realized that I think the thing that I was most excited about was like the steadiness of the admin side and then like still be able to work on theater. I was like, that's great. I didn't even know these jobs existed. So um, that's just the very brief bit of my journey. But um, I am, yeah, I'm someone who like, is just like a very big lover of theater. And so I'm just glad that I found something that allows me to work on it without being a performer because that was not
0: the right thing for me. So. How did you just, I know this sounds like a really strange question to ask, but I feel like so many people don't realize that there are other jobs besides the intimate, like actor, director, choreographer, music yeah. director, whatever. How did you, or was there a conversation with somebody that was like, hey, these are other things that exist as a job within this industry? How did you know?
1: Well, I went to college for theater, but also for business because Mm -hmm. my dad was like, you have to go to school for something other than theater. (laughs) And I was like, then I'll do both. And he was like, fine. And I was like, okay. And then as I started doing it, I was like, oh, I don't hate this. And then in our theater association, you like are holding leadership positions. And so I was like clearly drawn to that for some reason. And so I think that when I realized what I was doing in this kind of like extracurricular activity was both like theater and business at the same time, I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, this is interesting. And then I think when I was looking to figure out what I was gonna do after school, And while I was a director and I had plans to be a director outside of school, when I was looking to see what I could do and how I could work at theaters, there were all these internships and apprenticeships and fellowships. And so I think that was a moment where I was like, oh, some of these skills that are being listed are the ones I have through my business Mm
0: -hmm. degree,
1: as opposed to my theater degree. And it's some of the things that I had been doing in the MTA, in our theater association. I was like, oh. So it was not something that was... um, like shared with me, like something that I was like necessarily taught. But and they now have a theater like management. Uh, do they? At in at Mühlenberg there's like a okay. arts admin route. So okay. I think it was like just about to be that they were like connecting the dots too, but um it was from figuring out like what I was going to do after school as I was researching different theaters and I was like how do you work with them? Yeah. on a how do you do that? That I found these opportunities. And I realized that that could be like a job.
0: Do you remember what some of the things were that they would list on, say, these applications for internships that you were like, this is applicable from business perspective?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, like, you know, you'd have to know how to use Excel. You're, you know, it's about emailing and taking notes and being able to like, you know, be good at filing and reading scripts or reading applications or reading, you know, so those are not inherently artistic things yeah. right those are things it's like you know you need to know numbers or you need to know how to use photoshop you know those are which could be you know artistic of course but it you know they were they were asking for things that it's like you would be mo- you'd be well suited if you're interested in understanding how the like systems and mechanisms work in order to make a theater company run and so that Mm -hmm. a lot of those skills or ideas were things that we had talked about in a more general sense in like my business degree side
0: interesting so what was the first foray into that whether it was an internship or a fellowship that you had post-school do you remember (laughs) Since like yeah oh
1: Oh, I sure do. Um, I was, um, in company management at studio theater in DC. Okay. I was the company manager. Oh, um, I apprenticed myself, I guess you would say. (laughs) Um, and I speak this all with caution because I learned a lot of awesome things. If Anyone from studio is listening and I was the company manager. There was no one under me or really above me. Um, And so I learned a lot very, very quickly. And so I think that one of the good things was at the same time you, you were able to uh, take a class they had an acting, they had like a conservatory attached to the theater. And so I was able to take a directing class with the founder of the theater and So I was able to take like directing class during the day and also do this job. And I was like, wow, like I'll be able to do both. Like that's so exciting. And then like, as I was taking this directing class, I was like, oh, I'm unhappy. I like it when I go back to work, right? And so like that also helped me too because I had the chance to try multiple things at the same time to be like, this is the thing that is interesting to me and this is the thing that's not. Um, So there are definitely things that the job afforded me that um, the apprenticeship afforded me. That was really great, and I met a lot of people in the community that I had really expanded in D.C., but um, yeah, that was my first kind of – I had some uh, internships at a theater in uh, Maryland, Roundhouse Theater, in their education department, but the apprenticeship was kind of like the first um, year long.
0: And then clearly the company management aspect of that, you have veered from that. Was that an immediate veer when you left to a different type of positioning, or was it because that was like we learned we didn't want that for yourself, or was that – no
1: i when i i left because well it was a year long so i had to leave but um i uh was offered the opportunity to assistant direct a show at willie mammoth theater in dc but i was also kind of like the stage manager and the like i i was working on this workshop in upstate new york and so when i did that it kind of was like I was kind of managing the company so it had mm-hmm. those skills, but it also gave me a chance to like learn more about that organization, work with that director, work with this writer, work with all of these folks. Yeah. And so I was like, this is interesting because I'm sure I'll learn a lot, whatever it is. So it wasn't um, a conscious effort to shift yeah. away from it. It was just an opportunity became available. And I was like, sure, I will take that opportunity. Um, and then uh, from there, I ended up getting a job at the theater that I had just spent time working on that workshop with. So it, It wasn't necessarily intentional because I really do enjoy company management, but the opportunities that presented themselves provided a natural shift.
0: Yeah. Um, I guess I ask that because, you know, if one were to read your, you know, little bio, which mm -hmm. y'all go read Danny's bio, you have what I would label as like different types of positioning within the larger label of like theater management, if we're really like putting it as an umbrella. and. So I guess for me, as somebody who is clearly not on that side of things, Mm. really understanding how those different titles or opportunities feed one another, or the differences between all of them is something that is, frankly, a little elusive to me, if I'm being really candid. It's like, you know, I know what a company manager is having been on tour with a company manager and knowing what they did in that capacity, right? Perhaps somebody in the listening doesn't necessarily know that distinction versus, say, you know, a producer or somebody who's in that perspective of things versus, you know, an artistic director, like all these different headings that frankly, you've held <laughs> in different capacities. Yeah. I would love to hear at least from you, maybe we can kind of just break down, generally speaking, what each of those could potentially be or what they were for you so that we can maybe get clearer about them.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's so many different jobs. I'm honestly still learning what they all are. Yeah. Uh, but, and and for me, you know, what I just mentioned is kind of like a preface to say, I've always kind of been like, oh, well, that's really interesting. Maybe I'll do that. And then that, like, that's kind of been my whole career, right? Yeah. It's not that I'm like, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. It's just kind of like the next thing that presents itself that is really yeah. interesting. I like to explore it. So it doesn't feel like there's like a specific linear line. But mm-hmm. I would say that, you know, there are so many jobs that are needed to make a theater run, right? And so a theater, you know, it's it's artistic in nature, but it's a business. Like they're mm-hmm. all businesses, right? So you need folks who do marketing, you need folks who do hypothetically, if you're a good nonprofit, you have community engagement, right? You need administration, you need finance, you need development, which is fundraising, you need right, you need producing who's good, like who's gonna read the scripts to choose the shows, right? There are so many different opportunities. And since you asked, company management really specifically is about managing the company right Mm -hmm. it's like what artists need in order to do their job right and if you're Mm -hmm. on tour that means flights that means hotels that means food that means right like and it depends on the tour that you're on it depends right what what responsibilities the company management is responsible for but the company manager is meant to care for the artists right to make Mm -hmm. sure that they have what they need and often company managers um, out for out of town or shows that are on tour are really you know, trying to create the best version of home away from home as possible when people are like on the move all the time or they're only there for five weeks? and like they're really hard roles that they have to do, and so they need certain things to be able to do those. So how do you accommodate them and all that kind of stuff? yeah um but all of these, you know, y- you can kind of really like move around in these different roles as I-, I think as long as you have certain generalized skills, like i went to when I went to grad school. I think I really learned to be a generalist.
0: What does I that mean? That
1: I, I would say in my job right now, so I run I run the um, foundation uh, that is the nonprofit of the Stage Directors and Choreographers Union, right? So that's my job. There are things I do every day that I've never done before, just like mm-hmm. constantly. I'm like, I have no idea what that is. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is, right? <laughs> but I wasn't hired because I know how to use fill-in-the-blank system that allows us to like, do our payroll, right? I am often presented every day with something that's new and I go, okay, let me use all the information I have from my past, right? From my past jobs, my previous jobs. Let me see what's the problem, right? Or what's the situation. How can I use the things that I the knowledge that I have to kind of come up with some sort of solution that feels good to me? And then how do we move forward from there? How do I get all the information I need to make a good assessment and move forward? And that sounds super general, but that means that if it's marketing, how best to market? fill in the blank show is the same is similar to me as how are we going to raise money for blank, right? Completely different responses. But what we have, what I have to do is be like in both of those situations, I go, okay, marketing, who are we marketing to? What are our goals? Whatever our right? Okay, development, we need to fundraise. What are we fundraising for? What's the message? Who's going to do that? All those kinds of things. And so I think that school and working in different administrative capacities, I've learned that the best thing that I can do is figure out how to be like, what are the questions that need to be answered? How do we answer them? And then what do we do moving forward? So being a generalist allows, I think allows me to say when an opportunity comes up, if the next opportunity that comes up for me is in marketing, I'd be like, okay, sure. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like I know what questions to ask to be able to take on that role. So that allows me flexibility to move throughout different parts of
0: an organization. Do you feel like there's a certain set of questions that you're always asking, no matter what you are in?
1: Um, I mean, I think the biggest question for me is I'm very much someone, which is often for better, sometimes for worse, uh, when there really is no history, but I'm often like what happened before I arrived, right? So if it's in, you know, it, it seems to me there is always a history, mm-hmm. right? So even if someone suggests, "Oh, we should do this thing," I'm going to be like, "Well, have we ever done it before?"
0: Mm.
1: Oh, well, actually, five years ago, someone recommended that we do it, but we didn't because it got really dramatic and da da da, and so we didn't. So now someone's trying again with me as a new mm-hmm. leader, right? So I, what's that history? Okay, we're going into our like tenth year of this thing that we've always done it. Here's how it's worked in the past. Here how it how it hasn't worked in the past. I need all that information so then I can move forward and take a next step and like answer a question. But I, I, I always need context. So like, what's the context? Because it's easy. I think it's easy to come in and say, oh, well, this doesn't work. So we should just change it to this. But what a better question is, is like, why has it worked that way? Like, what is the history? What is the context for why something operates that way? I can imagine often smart people are putting things in place for a certain reason at a certain time. And so, why?
0: And -hmm. then we can make
1: an assessment about how we, like how we move forward based on that information. So I find that to be really helpful.
0: Yeah. That's such a, a wonderful way of approaching things because then you are a giving people the space to, um, share their own experiences from whatever has happened. Yes, And then everyone is now on a more quote unquote, even playing field of like shared space so that we're not just like coming in and leading a thing that doesn't actually want to be led or can't be led or is, you know, tough to lead. I would say that I would imagine that's a huge benefit to clarifying and giving context. But also I would imagine that allows you then, you know, the, the second part of that would just be to really problem solve. I think that's what I'm hearing from you is yeah. this, I guess what you're labeling as you know this general skill set is really a problem solving skill set, right? Where it's like no matter the hat that you've been wearing in each of these departments, theaters, spaces, you know that you are somebody who, given the information, can then problem solve on behalf of whatever is needed accordingly. Right. Right. I think that's absolutely right. Yeah. And I think what a what an important thing we need in today's day and age specifically. Yeah. But also just, you know, in these spaces moving forward, you know, I think often. And I am one of those people. It's taken me, I think actually with Impaired Artist Collective, you know, I've been really, I've had to see the quote unquote more business side of the of things that maybe mm-hmm. I've been privileged to not have to see as a performer. Yeah. Same with being on tour and watching the infrastructure of something work rather than just simply performing, right? There's yep. there's the moving parts. And there really is this behind the curtain thing that we aren't taught. Mm-hmm. I wasn't taught, you know, about all of these. Other aspects that make the thing exist, Mm -hmm. and that there are people who are really good at doing what you do, which is problem solving. And if those people have that, if individuals, if you're listening, if those people have that skill set, then this is really a need that exists in these types of spaces because not everyone can think that way. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think that's right. And I think that you, you know, this is something we were talking about earlier, but I think one of the things that can be tricky about it is it feel it, if you do have that skill set and you are interested, I think the question that you can kind of maybe only answer yourself by doing is like, how close do I need to be to the work to feel good about it, right? So. If you're like, I do have that skill set. I am interested. I had to learn by actually like directing and doing some administrative work at the same time to be like, oh, I actually even like administrative work more mm-hmm. than the directing work that I'm doing. But also to be like, because also, cause I just feel I'm better at it, yeah. right? And so I had to learn that by doing it. And not necessarily you could only learn it by doing it at the same time, but actually being able to explore how, you know, if you're really, even as a performer if you're like i'm really organized i make sure sh- i'm the person who like splits the bill at the end of dinner i'm the person who did it like all these kinds of things and i'm interested in something that feel that you know is steady that is you know all of these things that is something that these types of roles afford you and it and the real question is about how close you feel to the art right and so i think that um, there are sh- definitely roles that allow you to be. Company management is a is a is a great example, right? It's like I know all the artists from the shows that I've worked on yeah. because you work with them every day, right? Now I'm not on stage, you know, sh- tap tap dancing or whatever, but I am. <laughs> but I am getting to interact with the art. It's just in a different way, and it's all in ways that are very needed. So it's about how um, how you feel how you
0: how you feel about kind of that type of pivot to support yeah. the art in a different way. Yeah. Yeah, because you're not, n- not an artist. I think that's part of the thing too. It's just because you're not maybe creating the art that people are seeing on you or through right. you specifically doesn't take away from the fact that in order for you to do your job well, you are using creativity.
1: Absolutely. Well, and that often folks in our position are the ones who choose the work. Right. So we actually have to be artistically minded because we're the ones choosing right not all of us right but a, a lot of folks in management positions are the ones who go okay I think we should do this show this show and this show mm-hmm. and that is what fuels what shows go on the stages so that come like it often that work comes from managers and artistic directors who are art we're all artists but there are you know there are folks on the management side who do have that kind of power that um, opportunity at to make those choices.
0: Yeah. It's such an interesting perspective, right? Because some often as artists, or at least the ones that are visually seen on a stage, you know, who are doing the the audition hustle, yes. you know, we we are lacking in the control or it feels like mm-hmm. very powerless in a lot of what we are able to present, right? Obviously, clearly you can do your work and you can do it really well and you can decide what you want to wear and you can decide what you want to sing if they ask you what you want to sing and monologues. blah, blah, blah. But when push comes to shove, the decision-making isn't about you at all. It has nothing to do with you, frankly. Um, but really when it comes to the quote-unquote higher levels up or like the more admin levels up, it really does – in some ways – if you are somebody yeah who craves a little bit more control or decisions like mm-hmm. what a lovely spot to be in <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> i'm curious about why you chose to go to grad school cuz clearly you were working clearly it was mm-hmm. kind of happening what was that like what was the moment before what was the choice to do it what was the pivot why
1: yeah i so i so i applied to grad school twice um the first time was maybe a year after that job I had in um, at studio as company manager because I didn't know what I wanted to do. Okay. And a- as college even dictated, I was like theater business, theater management. Okay, I'll go to school for theater management because I was so used to, I think a lot of us are used to and I find comfort in um goal markers. So yeah. I was like, you finish high school, then you finish college. And then when I finished that apprenticeship, I was like, and then there's the rest of my life. Like, what am I supposed <laughs> right. to do? So then I was like, I could go to school and it would be like three years, right? That's a marker for me. And so when I applied the first time, um, I, I had interviews, uh, I had an interview for grad school. And they're basically, and it, and the same day I got the interview, I got the job at Wooly Mammoth. And they were like, you should do this job and then reapply for school. Okay.
0: So and you told I was, that to them
1: at your interview. You were like, oh, FYI, I did get this job. Yeah, Interesting. Y- Yes. Because one of their alums was m- going to be my boss. So I was like, there's no way that they won't call her. And like, so I was like, I, I tried to get around it and be like, I'm just not going to say anything. It's fine. Yeah. Um. But I, at the end of the day, I was like, I can't, I can't get around this. So I'm going to yeah. tell them. Um. But uh, it was absolutely for the best because at the time when I had first applied, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with any specificity. I just knew that I was interested in theater and I was interested in business. Right. And so then I went to uh Wooly and I started working as the executive assistant. And very quickly, I think what I does like, that mean executive assistant to whom to the artistic director and the managing director. Got it. Okay. Yes. To both. Got it. Okay. Yeah. To Amazing. both of them. Um, and so I, I, I think, you know, about a year in, pretty much grew in and out of that job. Cause I was like, I'm excited, I'm interested. And I would like sit at my desk and be like, wow, like I wonder how we're gonna like change the shape of the American theater. And I was like, well, these questions might be like a little big for like this desk for this job. <laughs> and, and both of my bosses knew that I was interested in grad school. So they would like bring me in on conversations. They would like take me to see shows with them and like all this kind of stuff. So they really both mentored me through that time to be like, this is what it means to work at a nonprofit. This is what my job is. This is what her job is, this is what these jobs are. So that I could really get a sense of like what I was was and was not interested in. So then I could like focus at school when I applied to school again. And so I chose, now I, I do believe school is not necessary. You know, okay. like you can, depending on the school, you could go into debt. You could go into, like there are a lot of things you take yourself out of the field for a couple of years. There's a lot of things that come along with grad school. For me, I, I to be completely honest, I'm a, I love DC. I'm a DC theater kid. I'd say like after grad, after undergrad, that's where I went. That's where I was doing work. And what I saw is that there are many theaters where it's like, I couldn't get past entry level there was not a lot of middle managers. So like the only way I could jump up was to go to school so that I would be ready for leadership positions. Got it. And so I was like, I found myself being like, there's nowhere for me to go. And I'm not really interested in starting in a new city right now. I'm ready to learn and I'm ready for leadership. Like I'm ready for leadership positions. And so for me, I was like three years to get to that versus I think if I had hopped around, it would probably take me six. Yeah. Tent, at least. You know, mm-hmm. right. So it's like I could do I could do it without going to school. It's totally possible. And I was like ready to jump to the leadership level. And so I knew that school would kind of put me on an accelerated track for that. So that's why I decided to go to school because I was re- I was ready for it. Yeah. And I felt ready to kind of ju- jump up, if you will. And that's exactly what happened. So.
0: Wow. And so may I may I like humble brag for you for a moment? What, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> you so you went to Yale for yeah. your master's in theater administration. Yeah, my theater management. Theater management. Yeah. That's the title. Is it like mm-hmm. the master of theater management? Masters of fine arts and theater management. Yeah, that's right. I mean, yeah. Okay. MFA. Got it. We can dive through like beyond your actual training, unless it's actually important. But what do you think from that training was necessary for post? your MFA education? like What from that have you, besides clearly the networking part that I do want to put a pin in and come back to?
1: Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing for me is that I chose the school. Well, first they had to choose me, but I chose them back because- they did. They did. did. (laughs) Um, But I also chose them because the school allows you to work as well as learn, like as long you go to school, but then you also have jobs. And so for me, what I was able to do in a safe environment, safe is a relative term, but like safe in terms of like, um, uh, outside the industry yeah. term, mm-hmm. right? An educational yeah. space, a container I was able to test mm-hmm. my leadership skills, and try things because I had people that I supervised and, and 100% of the time they were students, which is other students, my peers, which is like a unique form of learning how to like be a leader and a manager when those yeah. are folks who are like, how do you lead your friends, right? Like, but you have to be someone who has authority over them and you need to navigate those relationships and manage and lead and all of that kind of stuff. So, you know, I, I ran a summer program for a summer and was also the general manager of that program the previous summer. And that was great. I was like, it was like a full program. And if there was like a real, 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 real emergency it wasn't just like, well, what are you gonna do about it, Danny? I was like, great, let me like look to greater Yale to be Mm -hmm. like, we can. there's always some place you can send it up the pipe, right? Because I'm still learning. So even though the stakes were real, we were working with sixth and seventh graders um, for a playwriting program, there was still that safety net of like, you have like Yale behind you. Yeah. And so, or whatever institution, you know, you were going to. So for me, what I was able to do is actually like test out what I've learned at school. So then by the time I went out into the world, I felt like I was like, okay, here's how I want to be as a leader and a manager. And of course, the, re- the, the reality of life makes all of those things a little more complicated, mm-hmm. but I at least been able to be like, oh, I don't want to operate like this. And I do want to operate like this. And that's how I'm going to like make a decision moving forward. Because if you... If you find yourself in a leadership position and you really like stumble and fumble, that could impact how you get another one the next time. So being able to stumble and fumble at school
0: mm-hmm.
1: was um, definitely advantageous to me in my in my career. So
0: yeah, yeah, you have a playground or a container through which you could play yeah. and and take more risks. Possibly, I would imagine you tried things that maybe you might not have otherwise tried if you knew that you could be fired. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, which is very, very real. Well, I put a pin in the networking thing in that I want to talk about. You know, obviously, as an, as performers, it's that word. At least for me, makes me want to like gouge out my eyeballs. But there is some reality to networking in that the people who know you know you and can vouch for you, and the world is really small. And people say people's names, and people want to work with the people that they want to work with because you know it's going to be an enjoyable time, hopefully. I guess I want to talk about that with you for a moment from your perspective, say, on the other side of the table at the moment, but also just generally and how you have felt that impact your life, your career, um, and the relationships that you've built and all of that kind of thing, just that bubble. We can kind of go anywhere with this.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess what I'd say is, I mean, I wouldn't be in this job if it weren't for my network. Um, I think that is specifically the Yale network. Um, Mm -hmm. the, my closest colleague here is someone who was my, was a lecturer at our program and that's how we got connected. And that's how I ended up getting associated with this organization, the way I got to Wooly Mammoth was because someone who had my position at studio called me, you know, like it is, it does have an impact. And it's interesting because sometimes there can be touch points that are not person to person, but they're institutions to institutions, right? So because I had done a similar job to her at studio, it's not, I didn't know her, Mm -hmm. right? But someone else who had worked with me could vouch for me, but she also knew what the job took. Right. Mm. So if someone, she was like, oh, you can do that job. Oh, great. Then you probably would be able to do this. Right. And so I think that, um, I mean, like, I feel like the, the biggest thing I just have to say about it is like, you don't know who knows people. Yeah. You never know who knows anyone. And I think that I, I wish I could like quote it properly, but, um, Issa Reyes said, like, find out who your like, I want, I wanted to make a network of my peers, not like just trying to meet the people who are like the biggest and brightest and coolest and shiniest and most, uh, you know, celebrity in my industry, because we're all going to come up together. Right. And you never know who's going to get that gig and bring you along or connect you to whomever and da, 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 da. Right. So it's not just about like, who's the shiniest person in the room. It's about It's about forming genuine positive relationships because those are the ones, those are the people who are going to advocate for you the most. And like, you never know when that can happen. You never know who knows anyone. And I think that for me, I, I mean, I think it's just who I am, but like my impulse is always to be like kind to people, right? You like never, you just never know who knows anyone and, um, could advocate for you for something that you never even asked them to do that for, right? But someone asked them about, do you know someone who blank? Oh, actually, you know what? I met someone the other day who was really lovely, you know? And so I think that it is is unfortunately kind of maybe the most important thing in this industry because there is such scarcity, right? And every process is so, right? I, I don't know an artistic process that's been like, there's been no vulnerability in it, right? Even Mm. the like most fun show, right? There has, you're sharing your lives, you're sharing your ups and downs, you're there for hours and hours and hours, like that, it becomes like a home, right? Any of these processes. And so I think that you want to work with people that you feel you can do that with. And so even just being able to connect with folks on something that is, you know, on a personal level and not even on a like, let me pitch you my show or let me pitch you that did it, right? But just to be like, hello, hello, that can have a positive impact in career down the line. One day you might not even know. So I'm kind of going all over the place, but I feel like, you know, when it comes to networking, I'm kind of like, try to be kind, right? Obviously, sometimes you can meet the right exact person that you're trying to get to and that sparks something and it's amazing. And sometimes you meet 10 other people instead of getting to that one person, but like don't see that as a failure because you never know like who those 10 people know yeah. or what they do um, because there's value in, in all of it.
0: So. Yeah. Yeah. I think we often forget, I'm speaking a very general we, but many of us often forget that what we do is about people. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that if we boil down what is theater or really what is art, right? It's about humanity yeah, in some capacity. And what is that on its best day, which can be hard to feel or see on a regular day, but <laughs> we're really yeah. boiling that down. What is that? And it's people being kind to one another. And, you know, you mentioned scarcity and it's such a such a word that I, at least in my own spaces, I'm really trying not to use. Like I don't call it my survival job because why am I coming from a place of trying to survive? Like it's a job that allows me to thrive, actually. Like this yeah. isn't a place of deficit. Why are we talking about it from that? But I really think that we've been taught, whether it's systemically or whether it's institutions or who or teachers, whatever, that that there isn't enough to go around, but really it's a matter of you might not have met the people who are wanting to bring you up yet, or you might not have been as kind as possible to this person who really did like you. And then like when push comes to shove, they're like, well, we don't, you're not as cool as we thought.
1: (laughs) Maybe. Yeah. I mean, yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: Well, I want to now jump to the job that you're in. Can we talk about this?
1: Yeah, sure. We can talk about it. Um, I, uh, yeah. So I, I, um, I'm the foundation director of the Stage Directors and Choreographers Foundation, um, and which is the nonprofit of the union that supports stage directors and choreographers.
0: So to break this down for people who don't know it's so for yes. like Actors Equity or SAG-AFTRA, this is the version for choreographers and stage directors. And directors. 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 Right. Yeah. Great. And so right. you work for, it would be like the SAG-AFTRA Foundation. Correct. You work for the yeah. version of the SAG-AFTRA Foundation, but for this particular union. Yes, that's right. That's ironic. Right. Okay, cool. Yes, that's correct. Um, so our
1: goal and we, you know, we're a 501c3 nonprofit, and our mission is to support stage directors and choreographers throughout all phases of their career. And we do that through a series of things. We have a professional development program. It's been on hiatus since the pandemic started, but it'll be opening back up for the fall. Um we have uh public programming, so that's like panels, podcasts, a symposia. We have an emergency assistance fund. Um we uh have a residency, which is for mid-career directors and choreographers of color to spend a year at a theater, a nonprofit theater, regional theater, uh across the country, uh so that they can learn as as freelancers what it's like to work at an institution. Um, if they're interested in artistic direction, because as we've kind of talked about, it's a whole different beast of a responsibility. It's not just about the art, but it's about how the business operates as well, uh, which is a unique dynamic. Um, we also give out awards that all the way from like a breakout award for someone who's breaking out in their career to lifetime achievement, both in the Broadway um, space and in the uh, across the country in the regional space. Uh, and... That I think those are the highlights, but we do a lot of stuff. Uh, We're small, we're small, we're small but mighty. So,
0: do you oversee all of these elements? Do you have different teams who do certain things and then they report back to you? What is the function that you run? Yes, that I
1: love the idea that I have all these teams doing things. Um, There's two of us. (laughs) It's me. I I mean, I love. I love that it's teams. It's two teams teams of two people (laughs) doing everything. So it's, yeah, so I oversee everything. Um, My job is to vision, implement, and execute all, everything. So, uh, and I work with like a board and many, many committees that help make those things happen, right? Uh, So committees for awards, for the fund, for the programs, for the uh, public programming committee, development committee, you know. And so my, my job is often to first be like a public face for the foundation, but also to be someone who is like, there are a million great ideas, we can do five of them, which five are we going to do, and then figuring out how to execute our programming in a way that feels thoughtful, feels robust, feels as most beneficial to the folks that we're trying to reach as possible.
0: So are these ideas coming from like the organization at large to you all? Or is it who pitches these things to you?
1: Um, often members from the union will pitch to us, but really anyone who's a director or choreographer can. Um uh we just sent out a public programming survey to anyone who's like on our listserv. We do we we I started this job in November 2020 um in an interim capacity full-time permanent in March, 2021. And so I've implemented like a yearly public programming survey that's like, Hey y'all, what do you want to hear about? Right? And so we have this wonderful like built-in constituency, which is SDC members, like all SDC members are foundation folks, but we also have anyone who's interested in directing or choreography can also participate in our programming. And so getting to hear from them what they're interested in, sometimes it becomes clear what is interesting to many, yeah, And that's how I start to work with the public programming committee to figure out like, oh, that's, you know, everyone's talking about virtual programming. Maybe we should do a panel on virtual programming or a symposium on virtual programming. So sometimes they make themselves clear. And then sometimes, you know, if I'm often, if I run into a director, or choreographer, they always have an idea. So I mm-hmm. often find myself just kind of like fielding ideas as they come as I'm out in the world too.
0: So this is super cool. Um, is this similar in how sag After Foundation, like you can just take these free classes as a human being who wants to?
1: Yes, in,
0: th- and- in
1: theory, similar, except we don't really have classes, right? So we don't have like directing classes, but we have like a panel on, we had a series that we just did um, because a lot of people were really scared to go back to rehearsal.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think like both as it relates to uh, sa- literal physical safety and mm-hmm. how to create art, But then also, like in this moment of like creating safe spaces in the rehearsal room, how do you let other an intimacy coach and an EDI consultant and a da da da? And now you don't do 10 out of 12. Now you have like three and a half days to like put on the whole show and you need to spend half of it like talking to make sure everyone feels comfortable. Right. And I'm not saying that as a judgment, like those are bad things. Those are just the truth. Right. When all of those things are true and need to be done and you have a limited time because capitalism how do you actually make it work when you like when when the solution isn't a 6 week rehearsal it's right. actually still four but you now have 5 days instead of 6 you now don't have these hours instead of these hours right you right. Know, like if all of those things are true so we heard a lot of people feeling um trepidation about going back to rehearsal and how other people were doing it so we had like a three part series that was like how folks are going back to rehearsal Amazing. and what that experience has been like. So we don't quite have like classes, which is like l- directing 101, but we do find ourselves and maybe we did in the past and we might in the future, but right now our focus has been on like how to like sh- knowledge share um, what is current in this moment because yeah. uh, that feels like what folks are asking
0: for. Could I have in theory attended that panel?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So this is yeah. a really helpful resource, anybody who's listening, to stay up to date <laughs> um, for these various offerings, right? Because I feel yeah. like this is such an incredible um, feeder, as in an F, not theater, but feeder, feeder. for um, – for people to have different types of conversations that isn't that aren't just about the craft, right? It's really about these different spaces coming from, frankly, the people that you will most likely interact with when you are in a rehearsal space. Mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. to be able to to hear and understand where directors and choreographers are coming from and what they mm-hmm. have been exposed to um is is such a wonderful resource. Yeah. Um, So thank you for providing that to people. Of course. Yeah. And I think that I feel like the biggest thing that I've
1: learned is that the more we can share that we just have these resources available, the better. Because I didn't even know the foundation existed before I got this job. So.
0: Yeah. And I didn't know that about the SAG-AFTRA Foundation, too, as an actor before I joined SAG-AFTRA. And I was like, well, I didn't even need to join SAG-AFTRA to necessarily use the SAG-AFTRA Foundation's organization, like what they're doing, you know, and these, these opportunities and classes and exposures and panels and workshops, like whatever they are, they all exist. And they're for artists. And I feel like what a missed opportunity that we don't know more about it. So you're welcome, everybody listening. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I also, can I humble brag about you one more time? Sure, if you'd like. I'm gonna just keep humble bragging about you. Um, you were named uh, in the American Theatre Magazine one of the top ten rising Black women to watch in the theater.
1: Yes. Can we talk about this? I mean, if you want, I don't know what to say. I mean, it's very flattering, and I think that um, Nataki, who put who compiled the list, is you know, I'm so grateful to her because she is, um someone who always uses her platform to lift other people up. You know, she runs one of, if not the largest regional theater in the country. And she, she always means it when she, I just saw her a couple of weeks ago at a conference and she was like, I'm, she's like, seriously, I'm always on your team, whatever you need. Right. And so she is someone who practices what she preaches and she lifts up, other folks that she feels need to be lifted. And so I, you know, I can't say, well,
0: I deserve
1: because I did this this and this, so I should be yes, on that list. Yes, you can, first and foremost. No, no, no. But- I, I guess I I mean I could, but I guess what I mean is how do I feel about the list? I feel very grateful. I feel humble. Yeah. I feel like um I feel like it is nice to be recognized for the work that I've done. Right? I'm not like, oh, I just what but it's it's really it's it is I do feel like often arts managers Mm -hmm. are not lifted up very often it is often which is often why people don't even know these jobs exist right but like we do a lot of hard work and we don't get like the applause on the stage right we're just like probably in the back having a drink that it even happened right but like I think that like (laughs) being able to get some public recognition is not something that happens very often awards Mm -hmm. don't go to theater managers awards don't you know so like that I feel very grateful to have received some recognition for the work that I do. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that list that you were on, I mean, that is the point of the list is that these yeah. are human beings to watch, but it's also like the list are just really incredible other artists and humans. And um, when I saw your name there, I did a little like happy dance in my room being like, yes, like <laughs> like truly because, I mean, you said it yourself, you know, th- yeah. there's there's a lot of unspoken and unsung heroes who make the things happen yeah. and they don't get accolades. And it's not why we do this necessarily, like people especially – folks like yourself are not in this for the accolades because they don't exist for these positions necessarily. But, But there is something to be said about being like, hey, I see you. I see the work that you're doing. I see the impact that you're making. I see the fact that it's affecting other people and giving them more opportunities and change in the industry and blah, 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 blah. Like all of those things are so valuable. And hopefully it reaffirms for you that people do see what you're doing and it is making an impact. And also hopefully it allows other people who didn't, as you just said, know that this even exists to now be like, well, look, there are dope people who are doing these things and you didn't even know about them. Now, look, are you interested? Look at these people. They're doing it. Now you can too. Um, You know, it's a trailblazing thing. It's why we've had you before as a trailblazer, you know, (laughs) like it is that, and you are doing that. And and I just I'm not humble bragging on your behalf. I'm bringing it up because I know you are super humble and you wouldn't bring it up. And, that's, and I don't want you to slide out of here without me acknowledging that you've really done some incredible things and and I sit here, you know, felling, as we'd say in Yiddish um, about all the things that you're doing. So congratulations on that. Thank you very much. Thank you. I, I appreciate that, and I do. and it does
1: yeah, I mean, it does it does feel good. I can't. Yeah. I can't yeah. lie about that.
0: <laughs> Hopefully people are like calling you more or being like, Hey, I saw this thing. I didn't know who you are. And now I do. And now can we da 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 da?
1: Yes. I mean, I definitely, uh, I did not know it was happening. Um, yeah. And so I just started getting like texts and yeah. tags and I was like, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> I was like, I remember I literally was on Facebook for, for a moment and I scrolled by it and I saw my picture and I was like, well, that looked like me. And then I just like kept scrolling and I was like, wait a second. No, that, no, no. Oh no, that's what, what is this? Right, like I just like, I had no idea. And I, so I was like that, just like scrolling, what's going on? Oh, there, oh, that's literally me. I did not know that. And so, yeah, it was, it was a, it was, um, it definitely helped exactly what it was meant to do, lifted my voice and
0: my face up in the space. And so, um, yeah, I'm really I'm really grateful for it. Yes, I'm really proud of you. As we wind our time, is there anything that we have not discussed or is there something that is on your mind still or is there a piece of advice that perhaps you would want to share with our listener about anything that we have discussed today?
1: I guess what I would say is like we are in – continually unprecedented times, but I feel like that has allowed me to like let go of my plan, mm-hmm. right? I think that like I often forget, right? It, it, it feels a little taboo in this industry to be like, well, I'm only this old because you often have to present older to get respect, yeah. right? And so, but I'm I'm 30, right? Like I just turned, thir- well, actually I'm about to turn 31. So yeah. it's like um, I had a plan for like where i would be when i would be there how long it would take me to get there all that kind of stuff and that doing that would allow me to get more more visibility more leadership more all of these things right and then the pandemic hit and you know plans went so far out the window but it's actually allowed for me to be like i can still find myself in a good place without a without um without a very specific plan, right? I I know what I'm interested in. I know what I'm passionate about. I know what my personal mission statement is. I wrote a personal mission statement over uh, last summer. And I feel like this job came to me at the right time. It aligned with my mission and the work that I want to do. And so I was like, okay.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: if I was you know, I would have never applied for this job myself because I would have thought I wasn't qualified, right? Okay. And so I think that the fact that I had I was able to do it in an interim capacity to learn, I had the opportunity to take a position that I think I would have thought I needed more years for, more experience for, but I learned that I could do it because I did it, right? Like I had to do it in kind of this interim capacity. And so uh, it's very specific, but the, the general, you know, advice, what I'd say is that like you can, invent yourself many times and i think that like having goals is great and this kind of like if i don't get it by blank then i'll never be blank i have found that to be uh less productive in this moment and what i find to be more productive is to always be open to opportunity and when the right one comes along invite it in because yeah. you never know what will come from it. And they think that I could, you know, I could start this job and been like, I hate it. I want to pivot out. And I could have totally done that. And that, and I still have like many, hopefully many years of my career left, right? Yeah. So you can, you can do that throughout your career. You can do it at 30, you can do it at 60, right? And so being open to what is possible and to not feel like there's only one way to do something or to feel validated in your work. Um, is something that has been really
0: helpful to me. I love that so very much. So thank you. It's very applicable. It's very real. Um, For those who are listening, if they have any further questions or they want to work with you or they have questions about your organization or they've been fans of yours forever and they didn't want to burden you, (laughs) what within your boundaries is the most respectful way for them to get in touch with you?
1: Uh, yeah, what a great question. If you are interested in what the foundation does, you can follow us on social media, which is all at SDC Foundation, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, if you are interested in getting in touch with me specifically, there is uh, there is foundation at SDCFoundation.org. That will get to me. And then we can like chat from there. I think that would be the easiest way. I'm a pretty private social media person. So that's actually not the most productive way to engage with Mm -hmm. me. But um, if you reach out that way uh, via email, um, I will get back to you.
0: We love that. Thank you so very much for going on this um, journey with me. Um, And I am a cheerleader of yours from afar. (laughs) So know that you you. have a fan in me who can't give you an actual, you know, top 10 list, but, um, but you hold the place in my own heart. So just know that the accolades exist in my own body. Um, and I'm really grateful that, you know, over however many years this has been, you know, you've continued to trust me and have these conversations and, um, just thank you for the work that you're doing.
1: Thank you so much. And thank you for inviting me to chat. I really, um, it's been, it's been nice. So thanks.
0: I don't know about you, but listening to Danny talk just makes me want to do things and accomplish things. Hopefully this episode was clarifying for you and also expanded the way in which you view this industry and various positions that make it happen. As always, if you like this episode, please follow, like, rate, and most importantly, review us. Please, please, please do this. You will make my heart incredibly happy. If you did not like this episode, just let it all slide. If you have not yet done so, please follow us on Instagram at empoweredartistcollective, on TikTok at empowerartistcollective, and more on our website at empoweredartistcollective.com. If you are searching for some merch, we got you. The link is in the show notes. As always, I am so grateful that you keep on coming back. And we will be back again next week. Until then.